going on, everybody? I'm your man, Rich Behan, and I haven't talked to you in about two weeks, and I know, I know you're all very upset about that, because I was very upset that I didn't get to do the show for two weeks, but now, two weeks has come and gone, and we've had two weeks of pretty decent baseball action, I will say that, and we've talked, last episode, we talked Mets-Yankees opening weekend, So, we'll talk about the Mets and the Yankees in a little bit. Of course, we'll get to them. But I want to start off with this beautiful, beautiful idea that MLB thought that they had. With this Facebook streaming crap. All I wanted to do on April 4th, it was a Wednesday. All I wanted to do, I had just finished classes. All I wanted to do was go back to my room, sit down open up my laptop, put on a little bit of SNY Mets baseball, and I couldn't. Because MLB.com has partnered with Facebook because they think it's a tremendous idea to broadcast games on Facebook, a social media platform. But I got back to my room and I said, all right, I'll give it a chance. It's not going to be my normal Gary, Keith, and Ron, which is unfortunate, but you know what, I'll give it a chance, because we're only, what, four games into the season, and I'd like to watch some baseball. So I open my laptop, go on to Facebook. First of all, it takes me four tries to find the stupid stream, because everybody's on there trying to create their own streams, and and it's, it's just not working. So I finally find the right stream, and then I get onto the broadcast, and I and I look at it, and I'm like, what what are you what 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 is this presentation? Because they had this whole like thing on the left side, but then it crept up to the top, and it was like the whole scoreboard took up more of the screen than the ball players did. And then if you were watching on a mobile device, you couldn't shut the comments off because if you could shut the comments off, you couldn't see the game. So I was on my laptop. And like I said, the scoreboard was in the way and everything. But then, even then, I was like, all right, let's let's keep going. So then I keep listening to the broadcast, and I, I'd rather bang my head against the wall than listen to those three in the booth together. It was horrendous. I was very disappointed in Scott Braun, who, a guy who has done Mets games before. He fills in for Gary Cohen when Gary Cohen needs some time off. I was a little disappointed in him. Did an okay job. As a Mets fan, John Cruck was horrendous to listen to. We had a whole inning talking about ice cream. Ice cream. I don't care about you eating ice cream. I care about baseball. And I care about watching the game. Something obviously you don't care about. You care about more about eating your damn ice cream. And then you get to Cliff Floyd, who, if you know me, I love Cliff Floyd on MLB Network. He's tremendous. He does great in-studio work, and he his baseball knowledge is very good. But he, I don't know if he was trying too hard or, like, I don't know what was going on. The dynamic in the booth was just not there, and it was not working. I thought the whole thing was a unmitigated failure. I thought it was terrible. 
I will say one thing, the one bright spot, though, was Alexa Dot and whatever she was doing. Like, I, I saw she interviewed uh, Jim Brewer, who, if you're a Mets fan, you know who Jim Brewer is. I don't have to go through that. She interviewed some beat writers, one from the Mets, one from the Phillies. I thought that was great. It was kind... It reminded me of a, like, A-Rod walking the bases during the MLB All-Star game, but was actually good. So, all in all, I, I, I thought... And, again, granted, I have not watched a single Facebook game since they've done that. I haven't. Because, the, I mean, I haven't had the time. But, I mean, I don't know, like... What what I don't know what they're trying to do. If this is the future of baseball, oh jeez, we're in some deep trouble. If Facebook is the future of baseball, I don't know if they've fixed it, but I surely hope they have, because if they haven't fixed it, oh boy, it's absolutely horrendous. I thought they could have done such a better job than that. And again, I don't know if I'm spoiled just because I watch Gary Keith and Ron all the time. And their chemistry in the booth is undeniable. And SNY is such a well-put-together broadcast. And so is Yes. But uh, the, the Facebook thing so far, I feel, has just been a, a failure and a half. And I think it's been terrible. And like I said before, if that's the future of baseball, we are in for some deep trouble. But shifting gears, because I'm tired of yelling about Facebook. I feel like a 85-year-old grandpa. I'm going to move on to the Mets now. Who... Interestingly enough, if you look at the Mets record and you look at the Yankees record, you probably would have said that those records would have been reversed in the beginning of the year. I know I would have. Because if you look at the if you look at the Yankees right now, they're sitting at nine and eight, which is, I mean, which is not terrible. Don't get me wrong. But for a team that was supposed to come out here and beat the cover off the ball. Uh, it, it, it's not happening. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton has been in a rut. But I promised you Mets, so we'll get to the Yankees later. The Mets currently now sitting at 13-5. and five. I mean, the Mets the Mets at 13-5, and five, you, you're sitting here like, okay, like, what is going on? After that debacle Facebook game, they went on to sweep the Nationals in Washington, and then sweep the Marlins in Miami, which, it's not a great feat, but still. And then they come home, take two of three from the Brewers, who are a great team, have had some injury troubles, but then they do lose two of three to the Nationals, but I thought they did a tremendous job of recovering Wednesday night and putting up that huge spot in the eighth inning like the Nationals had done the night before. And then they're in Atlanta this weekend for four games. So the Mets opened the season, like I said, 13-5, and five, and dude, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. If you would have guessed that at home, I, I'm going to ask you where your Magic 8 ball is because no way you could have guessed this. I will say, yes, Darno going down for the season and now Ploiecki's out to the end of the month. Does it create trouble? Yeah, and you've seen that. Because Lobatone and Nito have not been able to get it done at the plate. So that's where you start opening the door for a JT Real Muto trade. We'll talk about that now. I think a JT Real Muto trade, if it doesn't happen by the end of this month, it'll happen at some point. It'll happen by the trade deadline 
depending on where the Mets are, might not even wait until the trade deadline. So I was reading an article the other day. John Heyman had an article. And he said that a straight-up trade for JT Realmuto and Michael Conforto would be fair for both teams. With all due respect, no way in hell. There is no way, if I'm Sandy Alderson, and the Marlins and Derek Jeter ask me for Michael Conforto, I will go anywhere else to find a catcher. I don't care if I bring in Joe Schmo from the corner. You're not getting Michael Conforto for JT Realmuto. That's just not happening. And if it does, uh, Sandy Sandy has a, has a magic eight ball. Because I know the, the, the outfield is stacked right now, but you cannot give up on Conforto this early. You can't just ship him away for JT Realmuto because then when Darno and Ploiecki come back, now you have three catchers. And Darno and Ploiecki have showed signs of life before they went down on the DL. So if you're the Mets, I think a Real Muto trade starts with a Tomas Nito and maybe a, an outfield prospect, which I'm afraid might be Brandon Nimmo, which I would not I would not do. But again, I would much rather trade Nimmo than Conforto. Not saying that I would want to trade Nimmo, but if that's what gets it done then Darno or Ploiecki would have to be in the deal. Because, like I said, you'd have three catchers then when they're all healthy, and then it just makes no sense. I think JT Realmuto is a great trade for the Mets to make. It'll just be interesting to see how they make it. Two more points before we switch to the Yankees. The Todd father. Where, where did this come from? Somebody explained to me where this man decided, hey, look, I can now hit for average because you weren't getting it before. You didn't get it with the Reds. You didn't get it with the White Sox. But now Todd Frazier's just ripping the cover off the ball. He's batting 293. I mean, Todd Frazier didn't sniff 293 in his past few years. Todd Frazier was always known as a home run walk guy. Now he's hitting 293. He's got a couple bombs. He's got a bunch of ribbies. I mean, the, the, Todd Frazier has been everything and more that the Mets have asked for from him. Going into the season, I loved the Todd Frazier signing just because of the leadership he brought in the clubhouse and then the power he brought to the lineup. But if he can now bring his charisma to the clubhouse, his power to the lineup, and he can hit for contact, oof. That's that's a triple threat right there. And he's been having a great season so far, and he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down yet. Another guy who's been ripping the cover off the ball is Asdrubal Cabrera. Asdrubal Cabrera's batting three forty three this season so far. He's got a couple home runs, bunch of ribbies. I mean, uh, shocked. Blown away. I mean, this this is a guy who's... He's always hit for average, so I'm not, I'm not too surprised there. But, I mean, this is his age 32 season, so I figured we'd see some some decline from him. He usually hits about 280, so I figured he'd dip to about 270. But uh, he's shown no signs of slowing down. 
And also, a lot of people are asking me, oh, you know, should, should I be worried about Cespedes? Should I be worried about Cespedes? No, you shouldn't be worried about Cespedes. Because he was sick for most of the... He was sick for the whole Marlins series. And I think he was, he was probably still sick for the whole Brewers series, too. So he's starting to come out of it, hit the Grand Slam the other night. Looked like he's ready to go. So hopefully that Grand Slam kind of got him out of the funk. And now we'll get to the last point before we finally get to the Yankees. The Mets' bullpen has been tremendous this year. Sure, you take out the other night against the Nationals where they blew up in the eighth inning. Because, I mean, it's going to happen. It's you, The bullpen's not going to be perfect all season. But they had a tremendous start to the season. A.J. Ramos has been great. Paul Seawald has been tremendous. Lugo and Gazelman have been what Chad Green was for the Yankees last year. So I think the Mets' bullpen has had a great start to the season. They're, it's been getting a little rocky these past few games. I saw something before they were at. They, they've given up like 14 R runs in their last 11. But that's because the Mets lost 12-4 to to the Braves. And then that 8-6 to loss against the Nationals. So, you know, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, when you have Matt Harvey out here going, who can't even get through normal amount of innings for a starting pitcher. I mean, he looked absolutely awful. He looked like he should be in double-A, not even triple-A. I mean, the Braves are a good team, but they're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. And he just looked awful. No command, no control, no velocity, really. Which, I didn't expect Velocity to come back anyway. After everything he's been through with the thoracic outlet and everything like that. But I expected to see a fourth of the Matt Harvey from 2012-2013. But we haven't gotten any of that. And if I'm being honest, I don't think we will. Because he has just looked absolutely awful. And for him to come out and say in the post game that, No, I'm a starting pitcher, I'm not doing anything else. Swallow your pride. Come on. You've looked absolutely awful, and you just don't want to admit it. Because your pride is in the way. You haven't been good since 2015. Buddy, that was three years ago. Suck it up. Swallow your pride. Do what the Mets need you to do. Go down to AAA, move to the bullpen, work on something. Because it's not working for you right now. And Mickey Calloway has said that Harvey isn't guaranteed a next start, and he damn well shouldn't be. Matt Harvey was already walking on thin ice, and that ice is about to crack. We'll shift gears to the Yankees now, who, like I said before, sitting at 9-8, and eight, you're like, alright, I mean, you probably thought that would have been the Mets record, and the Yankees would have been 13-5. and five. But now the Yankees at 9-8, and eight, the Yankees fans are all in, they're losing their minds. They are losing their absolute minds. Which, I don't blame you. Losing 9-1 to to the Marlins after you beat them the night before 12-1. to Not a good look. I will say that. But, the Yankees have had a... I wouldn't say a tough start to the season, schedule-wise. But it's been pretty, pretty hefty. I mean, the Orioles are a decent team. The Red Sox are on an absolute tear, and they have no sh- no signs of slowing down. They only played one game against the Tigers. So, if they had played the four games against the Tigers, you're probably looking at a 
twelve and nine record, somewhere around there. I mean, yeah, losing to the Marlins not great, and losing to the Marlins nine one is not great because there's no way Marlins should be putting up nine runs against anybody. But they had the day off after that. They regrouped. They won last night against the Blue Jays four three, and then they have the four games this weekend. But the one thing I will say about the Yankees is that Aaron Judge has looked tremendous so far. Gary Sanchez has not looked okay so far. This was a guy who I thought was going to be even better than Judge this year for the Yankees, but he's gotten off to a rough start behind the plate and at the dish, too. Pass balls really affecting him. But I would say... I would say Gary is probably the main problem for the Yankees right now because you start looking at Stanton and everybody's like, oh, Stanton, he's striking out every at-bat. I mean, he's getting booed out of the stadium. I mean, yeah, I mean, first of all, that's going to happen if you're playing in New York and you're striking out. You're going 0 for 5 with 5 strikeouts. You're going to get booed out of the stadium. It doesn't matter who you are. Babe Ruth, I think, could go in there, strike out 5 times, and he'd get booed out of the stadium. But you got to realize, Giancarlo Stanton started last year, too, horrifically. And look what he did. He came out and he won the NL MVP. So this league is, by far, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And it's not even close. That's the type of league baseball is, just because they play so many games. Giancarlo Stanton, in the past, has shown he's been the epitome of that statement. So, yeah, are the, are the Yankees hitting some rough patches so far this season? Yeah, they have. They've had a lot of people on the DL. They've had a lot of people underperforming. One person overperforming, but I'll get to that in a second. But if you're the Yankees, don't, do not be worried about Stanton yet. Don't. It's not worth your time. Not worth your time. Now, getting to that man who has been ripping the cover off the ball is Didi Gregorius. And so far this year, he's got five bombs, 17 RBIs. He's batting 327, getting on base at 452. I mean, Didi has come in, and he's... Derek Jeter left humongous shoes to fill at shortstop. And when Jeter retired, I said, I feel bad for the next guy who's going to step in at short for the Yankees. Because he's just not going to be respected the way Jeter has been. It's just not going to happen. But Didi has come in here and just proven me so wrong that it's not even funny. Because last year he was fantastic. And this year he shows no signs of slowing down. Getting on base at a tremendous clip. His on-base plus slugging is a 1.216, which is tremendously high. So he's not only hitting the ball, he's hitting the ball for extra bases. Driving in runs. If you're the Yankee, you could not have asked for anything better from Didi Gregorius. Judge had that towering home run last night against Tyler Clippard. How did that feel, Yankees fans? I mean, as a Mets fan, I I mean, we, I know Mets had Tyler Clipper too, but watching having the Yankees have having Judge hit a moonshot off of Tyler Clipper that must have been pretty fun. But yeah, 
Yankees sitting at nine and eight, not great. But please, please do not hit the panic button yet. It's not worth it. All right. So just before I leave you here, today's a today's a quick episode. Today's a quick episode. So just a few things, a few things before we uh, before we wrap up here. This weekend, Mets. Lost the one last night to the Braves. They played three more against them. Braves are currently at 11-7. and seven. They're not that bad. Everybody going into the season, you know, expecting the same teams on the bottom, the, the Marlins, the Braves. But the Braves have come out, and they've, they've actually been pretty good. Of, of course, led by Freddie Freeman, who had an injury scare the other day. Which, it, it is so weird how baseball works. A year ago, Freddie Freeman got hit on the hand, on hand-wrist area, lost his, practically his whole season. Then, like a year later the other day, like to the day, got hit in the same spot. Like, it, that is just so weird to me. But, Freddie's back. He's uh, listed as day-to-day, but he played last night, drove in a run or two for the Braves. So he's back. Braves, fully healthy. Um... Pretty decent starting pitching. So, Braves are going to be an interesting team to look out for. They do always start a little hot, and then they start to tinker off at the end. Um, but right now, I mean, this is this is battle of first place in the NL East. Which is weird to say. Hasn't been that way for a long time. Mets and Braves battling for the NL East. But that's the weekend series for the Mets. They have three more. And then they have have an off day on the road, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of that, but I don't make the schedules for MLB. So they have an off day on the road. Then they have three against the Cardinals. And then they go out to sunny San Diego for three to close out their month of April, hopefully ending on a good note. As for the Yankees, like I said before, they won last night against the Blue Jays 4-3. Didi drove in a run. Judge hit that home run. So they play three more against the Blue Jays this weekend. Blue Jays have been, if not the most surprising team in baseball so far. They're sitting at 12-6. and six. Um, Honestly, I would attribute that to their opening series against the Yankees. I mean, nobody, everybody expected the Yankees to go to Toronto and sweep. But the Blue Jays held their own. They really did. They won... Blue Jays won two. So they split the series with the Yankees. And nobody thought that was going to happen. So the Blue Jays, hot start, 12-6. and six. They are missing Donaldson. Uh, but that doesn't seem to bother them, apparently, because they are 12-6. and six. So Blue Jays rolling. Yankees looking to cool them off. Um, these are big division games early in the season. Both for the Mets and the Yankees. So the Yankees got off to a good start last night. They have the Blue Jays for the rest of the weekend. No off day for the Yankees. Uh, They have then four against the Twins at the stadium. So they're playing. They've been at the stadium since Monday, and then they're going all the way to the 26th, and then they're off to L.A. and Houston to round out their April. And the Yankees look build on their record a little bit. Like I said, baseball's a long season. You play a lot of games. But you don't like to get too far behind too early. Alright, a few more things before I let you guys go. This episode 
a little shorter than usual, uh, just because we're going to have a packed week ahead of us. This episode is out tonight. I'm going to be doing a draft special for the NFL. Um, it's going to be, first half of the show is going to be uh, talking about the draft, and then second half of the show is going to be breaking down schedules uh, for, for next year for the Jets and the Giants, because the schedules just came out the other day. Uh, so look for that episode relatively soon. Uh, not too sure exactly when that's going to be out. Um, obviously, it'll be out before Thursday. Um, so look for that. Uh, th- those were those two points. And then the last two points are, as a Rangers fan, I would be very, very upset with myself if I did not mention um, thoughts and prayers out to the Amarante family and everybody in the Rangers organization. Uh, John Amarante passed away the other day. Longtime Rangers uh, national anthem singer, uh, big part, big part of the Rangers family, and it's a huge loss for them, uh, so thoughts and prayers out to them, and congratulations to Nick Mangold, big time Jet, probable Hall of Famer, uh, he, sorry, he's gonna sign a one-day contract with the Jets and retire a Jet, so congratulations to him, fantastic career, all right, so that'll do it for this episode, thanks for tuning in, thanks for listening, I'll be back at you, like I said, later in the week. So, see you then.